Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Hallelujah. Let's get into the word. Luke chapter 2, verses 7, excuse me, Luke chapter 21 verse 7 through 28, and I want to welcome the Facebook audience right now. Listen, if you are watching us via Facebook, I want to welcome you to share this video. Hit like. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We believe that the Word of God is going to touch you. I believe this topic is a particularly a hot topic, so make sure you share it with your friends in Jesus' name. Luke chapter 21, verse 7, and it says this, And you can read along with us. If you do not have your Bibles, it will be up on the screen. And they asked him, meaning Jesus. It's a little bit lengthy here. Teacher, when will these things be? And what sign will there there, excuse me, will there be? And when these things would take place. And he said, Take heed that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name, saying that I am he. And the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified. Look at somebody and say, do not be terrified. Do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first. But, I want you to listen to this. I don't have to be a prophet to know this, because it says it in the Word of God. It says, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilence and famines and pestilence and famine and coronavirus. (laughs) And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven before all these things They will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to synagogues and prisons. Then you will be brought before kings and rulers for my namesake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for a testimony. Therefore, settle in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth of wisdom, which your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Stay with me, guys. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will even put some of you to death. And you will be hated for all my name's sake, but not a hair on your head shall be lost. Look at somebody and say, you will be protected. Almost done. By your patience, it'll possess your souls. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you'll know that desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and let those who are in the midst of her depart and let not those who are in the far country enter her for these are the days of vengeance that all these things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days for there will be great distress in the land. How many know there's great distress in the land right now? And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, distress of the nations with perplexity. 
the seas and the waves roaring. Now listen to this, I'm almost done. Men's heart failing them for fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken and they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up. Look up. Somebody say, look up. Look up and lift your heads because your redemption draws near. We as a church are living in critical times. Can somebody say amen to that? And I have to, first of all, apologize as a clergy, as a pastor, because I feel that we have done the church a great injustice by not preparing her her meaning the bride, Jesus being the bride, or the bridegroom rather. He is the, he is the husband, right? He is after marrying his church. And, but we as clergy, we are ambassadors and we are called as men and women of God, those who are leading up the charge of the church, we are called to equip the body of Christ to get them ready. And I don't know if we have done the church a whole lot of justice on getting them ready for the second coming and getting them ready for this type of chaos that we're seeing all around the globe right now. Now, I feel like we as clergy have got church folks, people ready for service, not for the end times. We, we, we prepare our worship team. We prepare the service order. We, we, we prepare sermons, but we haven't prepared adequately the people of God for what is coming and what has come to America. You know, I am greatly concerned, and first of all, if any of my friends are watching online, I want to tell you that I do understand the fact that many churches have closed doors. There are many stresses, I think, that many of my contemporaries have that I don't necessarily have. There are uh, legalities. There are possibilities for lawsuits and things of that nature as people come together. There are risks of people coming together to, to contract this disease that is now spreading, spreading all across the globe and around the world. I, I see the risk there. There are some of my friends who are friends with uh, local authorities and, and government officials and city officials that feel the pressure of closing their doors in order to keep the peace between their relationships with those that they're talking with, right? Amen? So if, in other words, if somebody is tithing here who's a government official, you can tend to feel a little bit of pressure on closing your doors. Hence, you be, begin to be labeled as insensitive and not caring about the needs of other people and their safety. But can I tell you, there's no better time, as I said before, uh, that I can think of to keep our church door, doors open as the nation searches and grasps for answers. Amen? Because at the end of the day, we honor our government and we love our government, but how many know that God ultimately holds the answers? And if we close our doors to the people of God, these, those people are left putting the, the trust of the government and putting their trust in our government and in our systems to provide them answers. And we know that God is the only one who ultimately has them. And so I felt a real conviction this morning that we have not properly equipped the body of Christ. Now, I don't know who was here the, a few weeks back. It was probably about four weeks ago. How many were here when I had mentioned this great experience that I had at a local church when I was there worshiping? Nobody remembers that. So I was there. I was lifting my hands. Now that I have a better voice, I'm going to remind you of what happened. And so I don't want to scare anyone, but as I was attending a local church, I felt really strong in my heart that I needed to go. And normally Sunday nights 
is my only real down night. I only get about one day off, maybe a day and a half a week. Uh, and, and Saturday, excuse me, Sunday is that one of those half days after service. Well, it was on my heart to go attend this local ministry and my wife normally wants to spend time with me, but she was kind of pushing me out the door to go. We were getting along that night, so it wasn't like she was, you know, wanting her own free time. She was just like, honey, if you feel you need to go, I want you to go. And so I attend this church service, and as I'm, I'm there, I begin to feel an overwhelming sense of God's presence in the room. And as I begin to overwhelmingly feel that sense of the Holy Spirit in the room, I felt the Lord drop these words in my heart and they stirred me, but I, I began to reason in my mind whether it was the Lord or my own mind. How many ever wonder that? Like what thought is mine and what thought is the Lord? Well, here these words hit my heart like a freight train and here's what the words were. Tell my people I'm coming. Now I could have easily discounted that as I begin to reason in my mind and in my heart until I lifted my eyes towards the screen as the worship words are projected and they begin to sing about the second coming of Jesus. Now, I could have almost discounted that, but before I did that, I leaned over the front of my chair and there was a perfect shadow cast over this young lady's uh, journal, which was right in front of me. She's up worshiping at the altar and these words were the only words written on this side of the page as this shadow is cast completely over the rest of the page. And here's what was highlighted by the lights from the ceiling. It said, him coming. As I begin to wonder and reel, I'm like, Lord, are we really living in the last days? I begin to think about where the church is and and the Bible begins to talk about in the last days, people are going to be marrying and giving into marriage. In other words, they're going to be going to church. They're going to be going through the motions, getting married, drinking, having a good time, and, and not knowing that these are critical days that we're living in. And it's absolutely critical that we prepare for the coming of Christ. Now, we don't know if he's going to come in our lifetime or not, but what God wants to find when he does come is he wants to find his people actively preparing for his coming. Even if that means sharing the gospel with somebody else. How many know that lives are at stake? How many know that souls are at stake in these last days? Well, there is no better time in my mind that has ever been in America to evangelize the world than right now as it is seeking for answers and needing answers. And one thing I did find out is the fear that's being stirred around the nation has been a great revealer for where we're at as the body of Christ. I don't know if I have ever been more disappointed and maybe questioned where we're at as a body than now. Because if anybody should stand up in the midst of this type of chaos, and, and, and there is no, no one better to think of than the church than to stand up to be a voice of reason, to be a voice that offers peace and encouragement to the people of God. But I have seen an opposite reaction. And my father-in-law recently, as uh, some doors closed on him, the church doors closed on him where he attends services. And I thought this was funny, but yet true and disappointing all at the same time. And he texts this, devil one, church zero. I begin to think how as we close our doors, we are rendering people ineffective, but we are called to build people. We are called to equip people, especially, especially in these last days. Amen. I read in Mark chapter 4 about this story of Jesus as he's asleep comfort, 
comfortably in the front of a boat. It says he's, he's asleep in the stern of the boat. He's on a pillow. And it says a storm arose up. And, and, and if, if it were in the, in, in the, the days we're living in right now, I mean, yachts are pretty nice. I could see sleeping comfortably in a yacht in the middle of a storm. But I can't even imagine back in Jesus' days, 2,000 years ago, the sterns were probably not made of much, maybe a small little bit of covering. And the Bible says that the waves were coming over the inside of the boat, and it, there was so much water coming in that they began to sink, and they began to frantically cry out to Jesus. They had to shake Jesus and wake him up. Now, either he was a really hard sleeper or he wasn't concerned about the storm they were going through whatsoever. And they have to shake Jesus up. And they, as they shake him up, here's what Jesus said. It says, a great windstorm arose and the waves beat the boat so that it was already filling and Jesus is still sleeping. And they said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea. And he said, peace, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I don't know about you, but I begin to wonder how would Jesus stay asleep in the storm? I think God was saying something here. He was saying, listen, no matter what kind of chaos is going in the world, no matter what this coronavirus could potentially do to the nations of the world, being concerned is not the issue, but fear, being fearful is a problem with Jesus because he hasn't given us a, a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So it's never okay for the believer who claims to be a disciple of Jesus, it's okay to be concerned, but not okay to be in chaos and in fear. We are never to be bound by a spirit of fear. And I've seen recently, as of late, as chaos ensues, fear spreading all around the world, and the world is reeling. And if I can be quite honest with you, the church even hasn't given much answer to this. Somebody say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And so here was the revelation that God gave me. He, I believe he spoke into my heart and said, I didn't create the storm, but there is one thing that is true. This storm is a great revealer of the body of Christ. This storm exposed the disciples and it is exposing the current disciples and it's revealing where we truly are. Storms have a way of doing that. Storms have a way of revealing where our faith is in God. We call ourselves people of faith, but friends, can I ask you what your faith is? is expressed in the storm as who you truly are. It's easy to believe God when everything is going great, when the church is filled and the building is filled, or when your finances are going great, or when your health is in great shape. When you're in great shape, you're able to get on the elliptical without breathing. You get what I'm saying? When you're in health, when everything is going good, it's easy to believe and praise God. But what do you do when the storms of life surround you, when cancer hits your home, when coronavirus hits your home, when, when you lose your job, or when you lose a spouse, what do you do? You know what Jesus says to those people? He said, listen, in this world, he promised that in this world, you will have trouble. But he said, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. So, so concern is okay. Preparation is okay. Washing our hands is okay. A little extra hand sanitizer is okay. But God is saying in his word, do not fear because fear does not belong in the house of a believer in Jesus. So today I want to minister quickly from a subject called, simply entitled, Fear Not. Look at somebody and say, fear not. Look at somebody else or the same person over again and say, fear not. 
You know, many people, I used to be a really big movie buff, and so many people would say that, hey, fear is a good thing. I think there is a healthy element to fear. I like to call that maybe adrenaline, but fear has never served anybody well in life. And as I said just a second ago, I, I, um, I was a big movie buff. I kind of still am. And I'm working on kind of building myself a little theater because me and my wife, we used to go to the movies, but when you get older and you start to have kids, you don't have the luxury of going to the movies all the time, so you have to make your own little movie theater. And so my wife and I are in the process of that. And though I don't watch any type of horror movies, I don't even, don't label me a religious, um, a Pharisee, but I don't even watch a whole lot of PG-13s anymore, just through the language. We have little ones these days, so we watch a lot of PG movies, animations and things like that. And, uh, but when I used, when I was growing up, I watched a lot of thriller movies. How many used to, how many used to love thriller movies? Come on, be honest. You're in church. Don't lie. Well, one thing in those thriller movies, that person who was truly bound by fear usually was the person who didn't end up to the, didn't end up at the end of the movie, right? If it was a shark movie or it was a, you know, one of those thrillers, that person who was bound by fear usually didn't make it through to the end of the movie. And um, I'm being, I'm okay. I'm all for being prepared. I'm all for being concerned. But let's not allow this spirit of fear to put us into a state of chaos where we make poor decisions. Now, I believe we're going to survive this storm. I believe that this storm is only here to simply reveal where we are. But I also believe it's an exposure of the enemy. I believe this is a time and a season in the church where the devil has overplayed his hand. Do you know what I'm saying when I say that? In other words, we've, I feel, in, in my mind, the church has been stale. There's not been a whole lot of progress. There hasn't been a whole lot of victory in the people of God's life. But something happens when a storm comes. And oftentimes, even God has created that in, in our world, in, 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 the, um, in the eco. Every once in a while, a storm has to hit to remove the debris so that new things can begin to grow. And I believe that's exactly what's happening. So I believe that in light of all this, in lieu of all this, I believe that people are going to seek answers more than ever, that soon the churches are going to be filled. Soon people are going to begin to stand up and come out from the highways and the byways and begin to fill the sanctuaries and begin to worship God as they realize their need and their dependence for him. One of my first points is that I want to really drive home this morning is that fear is not your friend. Fear is your foe. Somebody say, fear is my foe. Fear will cause you to make snap decisions that you will regret. Fear will make a spouse say something that they can never take back. Fear will make a Christian react like the world. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Can you imagine Jesus today? And I hear people saying, use wisdom, and I believe in using wisdom. I believe my wife is a germaphobe, <laughs> okay? But she was here Friday night. She's a, I mean, wash your hands. She's always telling us to wash your hands. Cohen, the kids, always wash our hands. She's always disinfecting all of our countertops. But even in light of all of that, Stephanie has still, and it's been an example to me, it's, some, how many know you can still be a germaphobe and clean everything and still be faithful to God, amen, and his work? And so I've watched her be an example in this. And um, I, I was just thinking what Jesus would do on the earth today. I, I just can't imagine in my own mind Jesus giving everybody six feet. I just, I just can't imagine that. I can't, I can't imagine Jesus putting on a, a mask and walking on the other side of the road. As a, as a matter of fact, Jesus would go out of his way. 
I was thinking about this this morning, how there were lepers those days. Do you know that leprosy still exists? I mean, that was a big deal back in those days. If you were a leper, you had to stay far away. As a matter of fact, when they seen you, they would cry out, unclean, unclean. They would have to do that legally or they would be stoned to death if they didn't uh, cry out and let you know they were in proximity because they, you risked contracting the disease. But these, those days, Jesus would go after those who were diseased and pray for those who were diseased. And so I thought to myself, how can we effectively minister to sick people, seeing as that, how that is one of the three main things that Jesus beckoned and challenged and, and sent out the church to do? He said, preach the gospel, heal the sick. Preach the gospel. Somebody said, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel and heal the sick. If we shut down and the church is rendered ineffective, how can we get the gospel out? I believe in live streaming, but there's something to be said about being in an atmosphere where the anointing can dwell, where God can actually break the yoke in your life. I believe in being able to touch the screen, but there's just something that's transferable. I don't mean coronavirus. I mean the anointing of the Holy Spirit when we're in a service like this where God can actually touch your body and minister to you. Amen? I heard the acronym of fear is false evidence appearing real. Somebody say false evidence appearing real. In other words, God doesn't want us to see things the way that through our own tunnel view or through our, he wants us to see things like he does. And that's one thing with a spirit of fear. When that enters into your life and when we allow chaos to feed the fears in our lives, we can no longer see the way that God sees. We begin to make God small and our problems big. We begin to make this coronavirus really big and God small. And we have to be careful that this spirit doesn't enter our hearts because the enemy's kingdom dominates by fear. He dominates by fear. And can I be honest with you? You cannot grow in your faith and in your belief in God and trust God to heal the sick. You can't trust God to do amazing things in your life if you're watching MSNBC and CNN more than you are reading your Bible and reading your word, excuse me, reading your Bible and praying. Amen. You can't grow in your faith if you're not spending time with him. The people that I see the most who are dealing with this spirit of fear that's being loosed everywhere, it's those who are not spending quality time in the word of God because the Bible says faith comes by what? Hearing the word of God. So if you, all you are hearing is this fear and chaos and be concerned, if you're just feeding that, of course it's going to produce fear. But we want to feed our faith and not our fears. Amen? Amen? Second point I want to discuss is the spirit behind fear. The spirit behind fear. And I believe I coined this just a little earlier. It's in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 2. And it says this, And you he made alive, who were dead in your trespasses and sins. And once you, you once walked according to the course of this world. And here's what I want to underline here. According to the prince and power of the air. Watch this. The spirit, somebody say the spirit, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. He's talking about the prince and power of the air. Does anybody know who the prince and the power of the air is? He's talking about Satan. He's talking, he's calling him a spirit. So when you see fear, you're seeing a spirit at work. He's saying the prince and power of the air. Now, what do I mean by the prince and power of the air? Have you ever noticed how the enemy oftentimes, especially these days, he works through 
uh, media. He's working through sound waves. He works through television to train our kids in unrighteousness. He's the prince and power of the air. In other words, he moves through the sound waves to inspire fear. And so if you work with tools, you'll know two things. Number one, tools are very useful, but tools used wrongly can hurt you. Come on, somebody say amen to that. I have a wrench at home and I, one day I was, you know, using my wrench and it slipped and it actually, you know, pinched my finger and it hurt me. The same with social media. Social media can use for, be used for great good. We can get the gospel out. We can send encouraging messages. We can project things that we could not project otherwise, right? To, in, to bring encouragement to people, your friends and your family. But when media is used to stir fear up in people, it can be used as a weapon where the spirit of fear can take hold of your life, where you become fearful and you think, and every time you go to open a doorknob, you're afraid, or every time you shake someone's hand or, or hug them. And every time that you drive on the road or you're flying in an airplane, you're, just, you're concerned more about your environment than you are enjoying life. That's the spirit of fear. Somebody say the spirit of fear. And have you ever noticed that the majority of what mass media shares is those negative events? Come on. I mean, when is the last time, and I know this is personally happening because I have a friend of mine who um, works for Shake the Nations, and, and, and very little have, I, I don't know about you, I've never seen Fox News or MSNBC or CNN cover these mass crusades. I've never seen it happen. You've got on others, you know, other countries, and even in America, you get people who are saved by the masses, who, where people are being healed, people are set free, but we don't see that on Fox television. We don't see all these great, amazing things on CNN. That's because behind this prince of the, come on, he's the prince of the air, through sound waves, through media, through television, he's inspiring fear to ensue chaos in our world today. Come on, y'all, y'all, are, y'all should be shouting right about now. This is how the enemy is working and dominating the hearts of the people of God to get them to fear. And can I tell you what fear is? It produces the similar results of faith, except for in the reverse. Fear is faith in reverse. And when you begin to fear a lot, you begin to reap the benefits of fear because the Bible says, whatever a man soweth, that shall he reap. And just as well as the flu can spread or coronavirus can spread, you have to be careful what you're speaking because your fear can spread like a virus. And that's what's happening in the world today. Fear is spreading like a virus. Somebody say, speak the truth. Speak the word. Point number three. I want to talk about the paralysis of fear. Everybody say the paralysis of fear. Fear is a, has a crippling effect on people. Fear has a crippling effect. Have you ever seen a squirrel crossing the road? Have you, have you ever seen a person who, who, who hates uh, uh, heights fly in a plane? That would be me the first time I ever flew in a plane. I've only been in a plane about four times now at this point. And I literally, when I let go of the plane, it was about a two-hour flight. It probably took those uh, you know, armrests probably an hour to reinflate because I had squeezed them so hard and my hands were sweating and the neighbor was thinking I was crazy. But, but people who have an aphobia or they fear a lot... Come on, 
They, they begin to get paralyzed. It's like, it's like a paralysis. Fear deactivates you. Fear is faith in reverse. Fear will paralyze you. It keeps you from moving forward. It stops your progress. You ever seen a shy person talk in front of people, how they freeze in fear? That is a spirit of fear trying to capture a person and hold them in bondage to its power. Somebody say, not me. Not me, in Jesus' name, not me. I, 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 love, I love what it says in Proverbs chapter 23, and it, and it says this, For as he, a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh. In other words, if you think the worst is going to happen to you, you have to be careful because many people, have you ever seen a sick person? Who, who, who does everything that they can to stay healthy and yet they're always sick? Have you ever seen those types of people? And listen, when I say those types of people, my hat goes off to you. I'm glad that you can rebuke chicken wings and the desire for chicken wings. I'm glad that you like broccoli more than you know fried buffalo and all of that good stuff. Well, that's not me. But have you ever seen those people who disinfect everything when they get in their car, nobody's been in it, and they wipe everything down? They're constantly wearing these, these masks to keep you know germs away, and they're constantly washing their hands, and yet they're making doctors visits like every other week, and yet they always remain sick. It's because as a man thinketh, so is he. In other words, when we fear a lot, we often attract that which we fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We often attract that which we don't want to happen to us. And that's exactly what happened to Job. And he said this, he coined this phrase. He said, that which I have feared the most has come upon me. And so when you walk in fear, you often attract that negativity. Somebody say, speak the truth. Somebody say, speak the word. A person who, who loves God but is paralyzed by fear is as useless as an unbeliever in sin. I know that is very harsh to say. I'm going to say that again. Don't throw stones at me. A person who is riddled with fear in their life is as useless as an unbeliever who is steep in sin. In other words, when you're in sin, you're far from God. You are rendered completely powerless. But it doesn't matter if you're a believer in God if you don't believe his word that he can protect you. Come on. If you don't believe that he can preserve you, if you don't believe he has a purpose and a plan for you, if you don't take him at his word for who he is, you are as useless as an unbeliever. That is the absolute truth. And if you see yourself being susceptible to this coronavirus and you're taking every precaution, and I believe being precautious, I believe washing hands extra, I believe being careful, but we cannot get caught up in the spirit of fear so much so that we begin to be rendered powerless as a believer, as a person who follows Christ, as a disciple, and as a church. That is not okay. Somebody say, that's not okay. This is not okay. And lastly, I want to say this. Today, I want to challenge you to choose faith over fear. Choose faith over fear. Rebecca, you can come up. Somebody say, choose faith over fear. Can you stand up on your feet? Choose faith over fear. We have to come to a place where we treat fear like our enemy because faith is not your friend. 
Faith is your foe. Um, excuse me. Faith is your friend. Fear is your foe. Somebody say, fear is my foe. Being afraid is a whole lot different than being bound by fear, I have to say. What do I mean by that? There's a couple of stories in the Bible. One was Joshua. And he was afraid because he had a great obstacle in front of him. God told him to take a whole city. Now, this is right when the children of Israel, they broke free from bondage. It's almost 40 years later, and they're about to go in the promised land, something that God had promised them a long time ago. And finally, Joshua is about to enter into the promised land with his family and his friends and his contemporaries following him. And yet he is afraid. He's afraid to step over the Jordan into the promised land. Why? Because he has to go against Jericho, which was a fortified city. It was scary. He thought they were going to die. But yet he did the right thing. So in other words, you can do the right thing afraid. You can do the right thing afraid. You can still fight. You can still pray in the midst of all this. But we are not of those who draw back, the Bible says. We are those who advance in the kingdom. We, we should be thriving in these times as believers. This is, this is a time when we should step up more than ever. When the church, as, as, it's, as it's in chaos, we should be standing out more than ever. The Bible says that we are light. We are the light of the world. We are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. What would make someone go to church if a, if a believer professes Jesus Christ and we are riddled with fear just as much as them, what would make me want to serve your God? What would make me want to go to your church? When the, when the, when the church reacts like the world does, what do we have to offer them? We have to stand up as a church. We have to be a bigger voice more than ever. And we have to progress more than ever. We have to fight fear more than ever. We have to declare the word of God more than ever before. We have to lay hands on the sick like never before. Go wash your hands afterward if you feel that you have to. But pray for people. Don't let it stop you from praying. Don't let this fear and this chaos that's being released trap you and put you into bondage to this thing that's happening. And I, can, I, I don't even have to de declare this not only under the spirit of God, but this is, this is just a fact that just as leprosy has become just a, another known disease and how it was treated as something major back in the Old and, and the New Testament, the coronavirus will be just another thing. In other words, this too shall pass. Just like Ebola passed, just like swine flu passed, just like the, the Y2K passed, and just like all these other worldwide things that hit the United States and America. This too will pass. Somebody say, this too shall pass. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.